I'll start by saying I'm super excited to be here with you guys. Um, even though this is virtual, I still look forward to this space every Wednesday. It's one of my favorite days. And I think I'm especially excited because I was telling the anchor team as we were kind of huddling up before this, um, as we kind of dive into the next four weeks and this next four week series that we're going to kind of be in here in the virtual space, um, I think it's really, really relevant. I think it's really timely, but I'm also just super excited um, by the importance of what I think we're going to be talking about and just what might come up. And I think the conversations that we get to have for the next month while we're kind of diving through this series, um, they really do have the potential, I think, to shape not only how we relate to each other in this space, in this season, but also beyond that, and also how we relate to God. And I get excited by stuff like that. Um, but in the same breath, even though I know that's true, I have to be honest with you guys. Um, the theme of the whole conversation as we kind of um, dive in for the next month, that theme is not necessarily the exciting part. Um, because the thought of growing closer to God brings hope and excitement and purpose to my life. But the question of how do I actually do that um, can sometimes leave me feeling confused, sometimes a little impatient. Oftentimes it leads me to trying to go at my life or whatever's ahead of me, just go at it alone without God. Um, and you've maybe heard us use the phrase, if you've been around Anchor for a little while, you've maybe heard us say, um, there are two deals on the table. We said that a lot during our last series before we had to go virtual when we were talking about relationships. There are two deals on the table, really God's way to do life and live and relate to people and relate to him. There's that, that deal. And the other deal is literally everything else. The world may say, what I may say, what my friends may say, what my family may say, all of that is kind of the deal of everything besides God. God's way, everything else, the two deals on the table. The problem is sometimes when I don't see or even like God's way, um, in my mind, the only option sometimes the left is to figure things out on my own. And so I work and I strive and I dream and I plan and I go along with my day after day and my week after week or my month after month without ever really including God in the conversation. Not because I don't want to, because I do want to, it's not because I don't want to, but because I'm honestly not sure I know how to sometimes, or even if he's there all the time, or if he's listening, because sometimes it doesn't feel like he is. And my life can sometimes feel like I'm like in this boat and I'm paddling from the beach out into the ocean and I'm, I'm going against the current of the breaking tide. And as I'm paddling, I'm paddling as hard as I can. And the wave after wave is hitting my boat and I'm making it over. I'm making it over the next one, but I'm paddling as hard as I can. And eventually when things finally calm down and I can actually take a breath, I look back to the shore, but I can't see it. And I look at my boat to see if Jesus is there, but I don't see him. And maybe you've been in a situation or a season like that, where in the midst of your circumstances, you find yourself asking questions like this, what's happening? How did I end up here? And where's God? Right? Those are real questions. And I'm going to call that, um, as we dive into this new series, I'm going to call that a wilderness moment. I want to call it a wilderness moment. And here's the thing. I don't want to make what we're talking about for the next four weeks. I don't want to make it only about COVID-19 because honestly, we're already getting so much input when it comes to that conversation that sometimes it can just be really refreshing to pause and, and talk about anything else. But the reality is 
that these wilderness moments are really relevant to a lot of people right now. The questions, what is happening? How did I end up here? Where's God? They're on the front of a lot of people's minds right now. And even in the last week, since hanging out with you guys last Wednesday, I've talked to people who are facing the realities of their kids not getting the closure that comes from a high school graduation. They worked hard their entire student life and they don't get that. There are people I've talked to who are losing their jobs. Maybe that's someone you know, maybe that's you. Some people I know are wrestling with the reality that if their parents or their grandparents get sick, which we're praying to God that that doesn't happen, but they're realizing they wouldn't even be able to comfort them with their presence at the hospital. For some, all of these scenarios, they're not hypothetical. We're facing them or we know people who are facing them. So I don't want to make this only about what's happening in our world right now. But I, I realized this thought came to mind as I was thinking about this. Maybe this is a good time to be talking about how we navigate those wilderness moments. Those wilderness moments when we're left asking, what's happening? How did I get here? Where's God? Because whether we're in one of those moments right now or not, the bottom line is they still come. They still come into our lives. And sometimes they come out of nowhere. So in this series, we're calling it Wilderness. It's a fitting name, right? We want to look to certain figures in the Bible who went through their own fair share of those wilderness moments. And really our hope for this series, this conversation with you guys and in our groups is it, it comes down to two parts. It comes down to two parts. The first hope that we have for this series is that for those who currently find themselves in a wilderness moment, um, our hope is that by looking at real people in the Bible, real human beings like us with real thoughts and real emotions who went through wilderness moments of their own, maybe we can find some hope. Maybe we can find some hope from what they learned. Um, maybe even just a little bit, enough to hold on for another day, another week. Our second hope is that if you would not currently describe this season as a wilderness moment, um, our hope is that you keep everything we talk about kind of filed away for the future, um, because maybe it'll be helpful down the road. Those are our two hopes. So with all of that set up, I want to introduce our first Bible guy in this series. Um, he's the first character we're gonna be looking at, and his name is David. And if you're thinking of the David who killed Goliath, you'd be correct. That's the David we're going to be looking at. The David and Goliath David, the King David, David and Bathsheba David. If you have no idea what I'm talking about. His name is David. That's all you need to know right now. Um, he was kind of a big deal in the Bible, but the reality is that he had a ton of wilderness moments. He had a lot of them. And despite the fact that he would eventually be king, um, I didn't really know this until I really started diving in. I kind of knew it, but it really shocked me. It took nearly a decade and a half between the time he was anointed to be king and when he finally became king. And even then it was only, it was over a divided kingdom. It was over a kingdom that was basically in civil war. It took another seven years before he actually became king of Israel. That's over 20 years between the promise and the expected outcome. 20 years. And that's a long time, right? And David, David's story includes being overlooked by his father, his brothers. He left his best friend behind in order to go on the run from a tyrant king who would try to kill him like a thousand times. And he ended up spending 
countless nights in the literal wilderness, in caves and abandoned buildings, scavenging for food. The would-be king would sleep on the dirt. And the whole time he was wondering where God was. And that was just his reality. God, where are you? And what's fascinating to me about the story of David is that his journey to becoming king caused him and others so much pain, but it was God who anointed him to be king in the first place. It was God's idea. See, if I'm David in that moment, that becomes really confusing. Like, I'd be saying, I thought this was your plan, God. Like, when will all the bad things just stop happening and you actually do what you said you were going to do? And maybe you've prayed a similar prayer like that, right? Like, God, what is happening? When is this going to stop? When are you going to do the thing that I thought you were doing? I know I've prayed prayers like that. And really, it's no wonder that we see David write down so many songs and poems that convey the agony of his waiting on God in those seasons of being in the literal wilderness, in the wilderness moments. And Psalm 13 is an excellent example of this. It captures his emotions so well. These are David's words as he's going through all of the hardship, all of the wilderness moments. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long Will my enemy triumph over me? How long? He repeats that four times. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And this is David just begging God. God, how long? Where are you? How long does this keep going? David was given a vision for his life, but the journey to get there, the journey of security, the journey of safety, in God's presence, in God's promise, it didn't make any sense. And it didn't make any sense for over 20 years. And we've had situations like that in our lives, right? Maybe you're in one right now. And maybe you're like me, and you're left trying to understand for your own life why God would say one thing and then seemingly do another. I've been in seasons like that. Maybe you have too. Maybe you had a dream or a plan that you thought was from God, or maybe you just thought it was a good idea. It was a good plan. It probably was. And you were excited to chase after it. But after a long moment or even season of wilderness, you were left asking the same questions that David was asking, right? Like, God, how long until we get there? Do you even see me anymore, God? Are you there? And if that hasn't been you, if you haven't gone through anything like that, first of all, praise God. Um, that's a big blessing. That's a huge deal. But I'm willing to bet that you've watched someone go through that. You've watched someone go through the wilderness and you've maybe asked the same questions for them. Like, my gosh, God, when is that going to stop? Like, they're such good people. Why does that have to happen to them? When is the pain? When is the uncertainty? When is the wilderness just going to end? And I know a lot of people in response to this pandemic are praying those exact prayers. They're praying those exact prayers. God, how long? because I'm lonely and I'm tired, which doesn't make any sense because I'm by myself and I want to see these people or I see these people going through really hard things, God, how long? And it's a wilderness moment for a lot of people. Now, short side note, I've been doing a ton of reading lately because I have some extra time on my hands. And I recently finished a book called The Horse and His Boy. 
and maybe you've read it. It's written by C.S. Lewis. It's one of the books in his Chronicles of Narnia series, which even though is written for children, I've been eating it up because it's super good and I really like it. And there's a scene at the end of the book that grabbed my attention. And honestly, it kind of wrecked some of the components of my faith. Like it was just a really powerful encounter with God. And that's the best way I can describe it. I was reading a children's book. But in this scene, there's this character named Shasta. And Shasta is the main character in the book. He's a poor orphan who we later find out, spoiler, I'm just going to spoil the book for you. We later find out that he's a prince. And at this particular point in his journey, he's, he's really low. It's a low point in his journey. He was on his way to warn a king about an uh, invading army. And he's trying to prove his competence. He's trying to prove his worth to a lot of people. But the circumstances beyond his control totally disrupt that mission. He's caught off guard. He's forced to go down a path. He didn't plan on traveling. He's going at it alone. He's all by himself. And that sounds super familiar because it's basically either David's story or our stories, right? That sounds a little familiar. It's in the midst of this wandering that he suddenly realizes that someone is following him. Like it's a dark path, but suddenly he realizes, oh my gosh, there's someone following me. And oh my gosh, this thing or this person, whatever it is, is right next to me. Um, It's too dark. He can't see. He can only hear and he can barely hear. It's like a whisper of like the footsteps. Um, It's too dark. And so finally, like in his fear or his apprehension or whatever, he works up the courage and he calls out, who are you? He cries out into the darkness, like, who are you? And the response comes from this character that we eventually learn is Aslan. And if you know anything about the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is the lion who represents the Jesus character in the Narnia series. And it's Aslan's response to Shasta asking, who are you? That is super powerful. Aslan says, I'm one who has waited a long time for you to speak. I'm one who's waited a long time for you to speak. And we actually find out that it was Aslan who was behind many of the circumstances that caused Shasta to end up alone on the trail in the first place. And here's, here's the takeaway that I think is super relevant. Um, as we talk about wilderness, I think sometimes Jesus calls us into the wilderness because it's only in that place that we finally find ourselves with the time and the space and maybe even the desire to actually talk to him. Sometimes it takes those wilderness moments. This is the key reality of Shasta's story. It's the reality of David's story. God was there the whole time. He was just waiting to be noticed. He was waiting to be sought after. And as we go through this series, Dan might talk more about this in week four, so definitely come back. But one of the most common things that we actually see Jesus doing in his ministry on earth was he would slip away to be with God. He would get away from the noise and he would just try to find quiet. And so Mark, one of the biographers of Jesus, he describes it this way. This is Mark chapter one, verse 35. He says, very, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house where they were all staying, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He just left to go alone and be with God. And I totally geeked out over this verse. And so I started like doing all kinds of like 
analysis of the Greek and what the sentence structure means. And I nerded out over it, but it was a huge aha moment for me because that word solitary, when it says Jesus went off to a solitary place, the Greek word is aremos, aremos. And it means an uncultivated, unpopulated place. It's a desolate, deserted area. It's literally the wilderness. But there's an awesome irony of what that Greek word actually means, because it can also mean a solitary place that provides needed quiet and the freedom from disturbance. So the same word can both mean desolate, deserted, barren, and a place where we find quiet and freedom from disturbance and distraction. And this means that the same wilderness moments that make us feel like God isn't anywhere nearby can be the same wilderness moments in which we realize that God is closer than we ever imagined. And it's why in Psalm 13, David asks, how long, how long, God, how long are you going to be just absent? Or where are you? He, he says in the last two verses, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. In the same breath, David says, I know I'm in a wilderness moment and God, I don't get it. I don't know where you are. And I don't know how long the absent or what feels absent, but God, I'm willing to trust that you're good and that you love me and that you want good for me. It's all I can hold on to. Wilderness moments can be desolate. They can be barren. They can be empty or they can be the exact places where we find God in radically new ways. And that's the invitation as we kind of dive into this series on the wilderness, those wilderness moments, right? It's an invitation to consider the question when it feels like God is most far away. Maybe that's right now. Maybe that's a season that's coming. Maybe that's a season you've been in. When it feels like God is most far away, am I willing to believe that he loves me, that he's good, and that he never actually left? And that's the question I want to leave us with. I'm going to pray a quick prayer, and then we're going to jump into our breakout groups. So pray with me, and then we'll, we'll jet. God, I'm just so thankful that just throughout the Bible, God, you give us so many stories of real and raw and authentic conversations where people are just crying out, God, because sometimes life just doesn't make sense. And sometimes we're in those wilderness moments where we just try so hard to find you, Jesus, but we can't. And so we get confused and we get scared and we get impatient and frustrated. And God, I just pray for everyone experiencing that right now, that you would just show up as a voice from the darkness that reminds us that you're just waiting for us to cry out to you, that you've been there the whole time. Would you just give us the courage, if that's us, to just cry, shout, yell, whatever it takes, God, just to acknowledge that you're with us because you can handle our pain. You can handle our emotions. And God, I just pray for the people who aren't in a wilderness moment right now. Um, maybe you know that one's coming or you know that someone is experiencing something like that. God, would you just give us, if that's us, just extra doses of grace. Help us to stand firm on the promises and the blessings that we see right now so that when those moments come for us or for other people, God, we know and can fall back on your faithfulness and your goodness and your love for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.